Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. We are on WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. We are fortunate to have a special guest, not in the studio, but by telephone, Chloe Kimes. She is uh, going to be playing with the Way Down Wanderers at the Acorn Theater on March 27th. Definitely don't miss out on that show. Looking forward to uh, getting a chance to chat with Chloe Kimes. She's actually from Michigan, from uh, Scottsdale, Michigan, but, uh, you know, grew up and learned, uh, you know, started playing Americana folk music in the local area and around Michigan and has relocated to Nashville. She goes to school there, studying to be a recording artist, and um, uh, she came out with an EP in 2018. We're going to dig into that a little bit. And along those lines, why don't we check out uh, one of her, uh, one of the uh, more popular songs from her 2018 EP. The EP calls is called Apothecary, and the song is Real Good Love, kind of a fun song. Let's listen to that. Here we go. I see you gazing eyes. Hey, are you thinking twice? Well, Baby, I'm not jumping in too fast But we've got something that could last And if you wonder how We'd ever really work out Well, if the universe has got you made for me Then what will be, babe? Will be And if you feel like everything is working against tomorrow Like time and space and future places Until the leaves begin to change And we decide maybe we should do the same And if you feel like everything is working against tomorrow Like traffic jams and your travel plans And we're stealing on what they borrow well, Let's just keep this easy, babe We're making this more work than it should be Make 
Chloe Kimes with Real Good Love off of her 2018 EP called Apothecary. I'm here with Chloe Kimes, an Americana singer-songwriter from Nashville, uh, originally from Scottville, Michigan, is joining uh, the Way Down Wanderers at the Acorn Theater in Three Oaks on March 27th. And Chloe, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much. I'm doing great. It's so great to be talking with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been listening to uh, your your EP, uh, Apothecary, for the last couple of days. And, um, you know, I uh, actually saw May Earlywine and Lindsay Liu, along with Rachel Davis, uh, as a Sweetwater war- Warblers, just Thursday, oh. two nights ago. Were so. you at Bell's? Were you at that show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. Oh, what I would have given to be there. It was, it was great. Oh, my God. It was packed, first of all. And it's a big crowd for uh, um, uh, that place. And so it was Thursday night, but it was really a lot of fun. And they were just terrific, you know, and they seemed to have some really good energy and all that. And so you kind of grew up in that um uh, you know, I don't know what to call it, but I mean, you, you kind of grew up in that, in that grouping of, uh, of M- Michigan singer songwriters. Is yeah, that fair to that say? Scene. Yeah, absolutely. I would say a little bit. I think I, I watched that. I grew up and got inspired by that community. I think that you're, you know, you're speaking of specifically and, um, absolutely like that is a big part of the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. Amazing. You know, so, some it, of the artists that you're talking about, yeah. Uh, so is that the kind of music that influenced you when you were growing up? I mean, I know from your bio that your dad is a, a songwriter as well. Um, did, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of, what was it like growing up in a household like that? And what kind of music were you guys listening to? Uh, you know, where did it all come from? Um, yeah, I, my dad was a songwriter or is a songwriter and he played a, like country music. I grew up on a lot of country music, you know, really old school country. Um, a lot of my dad listened to a lot of like Garth Brooks and stuff that was coming out of the 90s, like really, you know, good country music. Um, I would say is more the music that he would he made. And yeah. so that was a lot of my early influence. Um and, you know, it's kind of funny, like he would, I can remember, he, he kind of taught me how to play guitar when I was pretty young. Um, but Ten, he would spend right? the weekends, yeah, yeah, just about when I was in, I think, fourth grade. Wow. Um, so I was, and I had been playing piano before that, but um, I remember he was really excited to like transition me to the guitar. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I can remember just like on the weekends, you know, like on Saturday mornings coming downstairs and my dad would be like, I wrote a new song, you know, and, and it was just, he was always like in the kitchen playing music and writing music. And so I kind of just thought that that's like, all dads do that, play, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's just what we do. <laughs> So, yeah, I started writing um, about the same time that I started playing guitar. You know, I think I was maybe like 11 when I really started wow. writing like full songs. Um, you know, I didn't share them until a little bit later. But, uh-huh. well, that's yeah. amazing, though. Uh, and, you know, how did that go? Did you did you interact with your dad prior to that to get a sense of, you know, how he puts together songs or, or what? You know, how did you know how to put together a song at the age of 10? Oh, that's an interesting question because I've never really thought about they, it. They I just guess, popped out of you and uh, and yeah. appeared on paper. I, I I definitely know that that's a way that a lot of people write songs. I I just didn't know if there was a structure to it from growing up in a household like that, or um, you, you know, know, you just kind of felt it and and got it down. Yeah, I guess it's maybe a little bit, definitely a little bit of both. You know, I think. Um, like because whenever my dad would write a song it would be you know this event where we would kind of like sit around the table and he would debut it for us and uh he he played in a local band in my hometown area and around like from before i was born you know all through my childhood and so going to his shows was always a really exciting thing and we would um like my whole family you know would go and so we would always like i knew the words to all my dad's songs before like I knew a lot of things you know so I think that just like I guess in terms of you know how to write a song I never really thought about it um I never really thought about it from a really technical standpoint I was just like this is kind of what my dad does so I 
you know, I can do this. And I was, I've always loved to write, you know, from like through grade school and stuff. Um, I think I was always writing and, and, you know, being creative with ideas and, and concepts and poetry and different things. And so at a certain point, I think it was really once I had the ability to put, uh, music together like to put to write chords and write chord progressions uh -huh. um was when i kind of discovered the ability to kind of blend the two and i think that melody just came really naturally to me it's um i i usually write words and melody at the same time and most of my ideas come to me at like with words and melody at the same time and so that was never it was all very natural and the transition to songwriting never felt like a decision that I made. It was more of just something that I started doing, you know? Wow. It, and it sounds like that all sort of started happening when you, uh, not when you first started playing piano, but when you first started learning how to play the guitar. And it's almost like you yeah. were able to hear the melody through through learning how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. No, I now that I, like, when I think back on it, I mean, I think that timeline is exactly right. You know, I think the ability to, like, command... The guitar and it's not that i couldn't do that when i was playing piano but i played piano from uh from the age of like six or seven to maybe uh 11 or 12 and so it was a lot of you know like really you know technical right the formal you, you know, musical exactly the and notes so, and how to read right that's a good right, learning to, to read have music though. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's become like super helpful for me, for me now. But um, at the time, the freedom that came with playing guitar and I never took any formal lessons. You know, my dad kind of showed me the ropes, but um, I was pretty self-taught. And so I think there was this like liberation that came with not having to sit down and read music anymore where right. i felt like i could kind of figure it out on my own and that's when i started writing yeah definitely and what about the singing i mean you know first of all you have a beautiful voice and when oh, did you, you uh first start singing along with uh with the writing and stuff you know i think i've been singing for i mean since i was really little i there's lots of photos of me on stage with my dad whenever he would play gigs with his band you know if the family would go out if it was a local thing you know sometimes i get to go up on stage with him so i mean because like i said his songs were such a normal part of just our family family right. time so i was always learning how to like learning how to memorize his music that it just was such a natural thing to just be singing all the time and i also sang in uh for with my church, like my family, my dad sure. and I would perform in, you know, a church sermon here or there or for a holiday or something. Uh, I, you know, was in like the little kids choir. So I, music has been there for, you know, longer than I, for as long as my memories last yeah. singing and, you know, sharing that with other people. I couldn't really tell you when, you know, I think I started taking it a lot more seriously when I started writing music, definitely, because then I, I realized that if I was going to share these songs, I was going to have, you know, yeah, right. It wasn't perform just perform them. Yeah. But it, I was I've always been a natural performer. I think it's, you know, kind of like my favorite part of the job. So <laughs> it wasn't a hard thing for me to to figure out. I don't think. Do you remember the first time you went up on stage with your dad and sang? I do. It was uh, at like a family party, and I, I and there's there's videos and memories of of other moments, but the first one that I recall was some. I I want to say it was maybe a birthday party for like one of my um, on my mom's side, one of her cousins. You know, some some more like extended family just kind of getting together for a big summer party and and they had a sound system there and my dad was playing i guess maybe he was like the entertainment for the night yeah, or right. they were i don't know if they were passing guitars around but i remember having a microphone and singing uh i want to say like twinkle twinkle little star and then singing one of my dad's songs with him and i was probably about four years old wow oh so you so. definitely you had a real early start with uh <laughs> performing just, and yeah i think i just liked having a microphone and being in front of everybody <laughs> having the attention like oh she's singing you know i think i got that pretty early so yeah. i've always loved to love to perform yeah well and then you um started sort of your own band it while you were still in high school right Mm -hmm. Well, I joined a band. Yeah. Okay. I, 
I, um, I was playing with a friend who I had um, come to know in my hometown and we started playing music together kind of as a duo, you know, and that was about the, that was probably the first time when I decided I wanted to start playing out in, you know, we just kind of did some like super low key coffee shop stuff and really early on in the decision to, you know, kind of start that project, I met a couple of guys from, uh, from the next town over from the Manistee area and they had already been a band for a couple of years uh -huh. and they were a duo and so um the four of us kind of got together and started jamming and and kind of rehearsing stuff and and then we kind of eventually started performing with them and it kind of just was this really natural transition and and my buddy who I had kind of started this you know really casual duo with ended up um, he was a he's a really really talented trumpet player and ended up pursuing more of a jazz path uh -huh. and he went to school to um, to play trumpet and stuff so uh, he kind of went his own way and I kind of joined into that duo and the three of us became a became a band for almost I, I played with them for about two and a half years almost three years and and what I definitely called? what was the band called um awesome distraction there are a couple guys from uh Manistee um Nick and Kyle and I I believe they're still a band uh -huh. um and they're still performing I think they have another girl with them now so well I know they do yeah I, I just don't know how much um because Nick went away to Berkeley like super talented Berkeley Kyle, and Boston Berkeley and Boston. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're great guys. It was so much fun. Um, and that was definitely how, you know, I really got my, my feet wet with uh, booking and performing and traveling and really found myself kind of immersed in the, you know, the business the, aspect. Yeah. The business aspect and the music scene happening uh -huh. in like Northern Michigan, Western Michigan. Yeah. So um, it was, it was a great time. I, I, look back so fondly on my time with, with Nick and Kyle. It was awesome. Traveled a lot in uh, with that band? Yeah, we would play uh, the three summers that we were together. I mean, I want to say the first summer was kind of when I met them and we just started uh, kind of working together. And by the end of that year, you know, I was, I was an official band member and we started working on original material. We were going to record. Uh, we were going to make a record and we kind of worked on that through like the winter time and played gigs all all along and i want to say the couple summers after that we were playing like you know 50 shows a summer and so oh, wow. we, we stayed super busy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we would do like an afternoon gig and then we do a nighttime gig sometimes wow like, was um, your dad helpful with that kind of stuff around that time finding gigs or um you know managing the band or you know did he pass along any of his knowledge along those lines you know, my dad, I think around that time when I started performing out was kind of around the same time when, he, you know, he had kind of stopped. I think he just took a step back from that. Um, uh, you know, he he has a lot of what, you know, I think he was just maybe taking a little break from performing and focusing more on other things and helping and like supporting me become a performer. And he kind of was just more like, you know, uh, my right hand guy in terms of how to navigate being in a band and, and traveling a lot and stuff and being so young. Um, also, you know, and going right. into like bars and a lot of different yeah. kind of venues yeah. where I really like if I wasn't there performing, I would not be allowed to hang out there, you know. Right. Exactly. So um, definitely in that sense. But he wasn't really uh, there was no he didn't take on any like manager role or anything. Right. Actually, one of my. um one of my band members' dads kind of did more of that uh -huh. and helped us with booking and, and organizing a lot of stuff. And he took on more of a manager role. But my dad um, kind of just came along for the ride with me. It's kind of like, you know, support sure. and navigating all of that because it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of work and it was like a full-time job. And I was just, you know, like 15. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and so uh, definitely my parents are work incredibly supportive through all of that and they would come out to everything you know half because they'd be like we don't want you to be in this bar alone yeah. and half because they're like we want to go party at this place we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna enjoy the music so um it was a really fun thing like for my whole family i think you know while it while it was going on yeah and you have one sister or do you have multiple siblings i have one sister and one brother okay um, and olivia uh, you and olivia 
created a band together too, right? Yeah, yeah. So was that I, about um, the same time, or was it linear? Was it you know after you left uh, um, the the trio, then you started playing with Olivia, or was it sort of all at the same time? How did that happen? That is that is about how it happened. I I um, left Awesome Distraction in the fall of I think my senior year of high school. So I had been with them for you know uh, like two and a half years or so, and then. Uh, I was kind of just going through school and I was like, man, you know, I really, I want to keep playing out, but I love having, you know, people to play with. And my sister and I grew up singing together, yeah. you know, for as long as I was singing, she was too. She older um, than you or younger than you? She's younger. She's two years younger oh, okay. than me. Yeah. And my brother is five years younger. So he's the youngest. Yeah. Um, but Olivia and I, it just kind of felt like, a really, you know, natural idea, you know, I have these booking connections and this experience and this desire to like, like this has been my job through high school, you know, and so I want to want to keep it that way, you know, let's start a project as a duo and let's be a sister duo and do the, all the same things, but I'll, I'll manage it, I'll book all the shows um, and we'll just kind of keep it contained between the two of us and that's what we did and, and we had so much fun with that it was awesome how long did you do that with her um well we started that we decided our first gig was actually like new year's eve of that year um and that fall when she, i kind of got her to agree to <laughs> kind of like <laughs> you know do this with me I'll, I'll give you a summer job we can make this work um i just spent the entire winter booking stuff for us to do that summer and we ended up playing a bunch of shows that summer, but then I moved away to school and that's when I moved down to the Nashville area. Um, and so obviously we had to kind of pause, right. but I came back, I came back this, I moved home the summer after my freshman year because I had been living in dorms and didn't have anywhere to live through the summer. So um, I came home for the summer and we did the same thing and we played um, I want to say 54 shows in a matter of like two and a half months. That's, so that's crazy. It was insane. <laughs> that's just back to back. That's, uh -huh. uh, you know, just having to lug the equipment and get it all set up. Although you, were you playing acoustic shows usually, those kinds of oh, things? We would play like definitely acoustic, you know, but we would bring a full PA with uh, us yeah, and, yeah. you know, we, we, would set it up ourselves and, and do our own sound checks and, and haul it around. I mean, we really did everything just the two of us. It was Was that was mostly cool. around um, uh, Michigan or did you go around the country or Midwest? You know, where were some of those 54 We stayed shows? in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. definitely stayed in Michigan. We kind of did what I had been doing with um, the guys prior, you oh, know, right. and I kind of based it around the same scene and people that I knew and connections that I had built over those, you know, couple years prior, just when you, you know, traveling around, you meet so many people. So we had a lot of uh, different opportunities, but we definitely stayed right around Michigan because it, it made it really um, like financially much more feasible to base yeah. ourselves at home, you know, right. You can go home and sleep that. at night and not have to have that. Mm -hmm. So expense. sometimes we would stay around wherever we were going to be playing. If we were going to, you know, book like a, a weekend stint, you know, way up North or something, you know, in Michigan, but right. we never traveled outside of Michigan. We did play on the Badger, which technically takes you to Wisconsin. So I guess that would be <laughs> the furthest that we got. If you're familiar, is that with like the, the the ferry that goes across uh, Lake ferry. Michigan? Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. The big barge that goes it, from Manitowoc, Lettington to Manitowoc, and back and forth. And they have live music on the boat from time to time. And and we did do one of those gigs. So. Um, what kind of I songs were you guys playing that. at the time? Songs that you wrote, songs, you know, kind of popular folk songs that everyone would have known. You know, what was you your know, repertoire during that, that time with we, the trio and with your sister when you were in high yeah, school? Yeah, we definitely did a lot of... Um, when I was in the trio, we did a lot of cover music. And we were playing in a lot of bars where, you know, it would just be like, you'd want to have all those songs to pull out of your back pocket that people were going to love, you know, so a lot of old classic stuff. And, um, I think as a band, we were really influenced by like the Eagles and Crosby, Stills and Nash and a lot of, you know, old oh, like sure. James Taylor, like seventies uh -huh. folk rock kind of old, 
Um, there was definitely a lot of country influence and, you know, a lot of bluegrass influence too. Between the three of us, we listened to a lot of bluegrass music and, um, Nick was a really good or is a really good guitarist and you know he could do that like flat pick guitar oh, yeah. style and the, the, the uh, that bluegrass style of guitar playing I love that yeah him and Kyle both are so talented instrument like such talented instrumentalists and they could both play any instrument that you kind of throw in front of them you know so and I play guitar and mandolin so we would always trade off instruments like every arrangement would be a little bit different and our set would kind of involve, you know, blocks of songs where we would switch out instruments and, and move things around. But we were definitely playing a lot of cover music. Um, and then as we spent more time together, you know, we really started writing. Because at that point, I was writing a lot on my own. I had gone and spent a summer at Interlochen as a songwriter. Oh, sure, up in uh, northern, the northern part mm -hmm. of the Lower Peninsula. <laughs> yes, yes, up in the Traverse City area. And... And so it was kind of around that time when I was really starting to get into songwriting and um, definitely was starting to realize that that was what I wanted to focus on and that was what I wanted to be playing and sharing with people. And so we, we started writing, you know, they both wrote individually and together and we started incorporating a lot more of that into our set as well, which, you know, I would say is pretty, you know, very Americana folky kind of country influence stuff. Um, but yeah, and when I played, what's that? Oh no, I was. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, when I played with my sister, I think that we had a really eclectic set that would, you know, kind of change depending on where we were playing. But we definitely did, you know, all of my original stuff that we could, and then, um, you know, the covers that I think the picks of covers that we would choose were just songs that we loved growing up or songs that inspired us you know and and so we would try to pick different things that we thought people would like but i think there was definitely a shift between when i played with awesome distraction and when i started playing with olivia and we just kind of decided to do more music that we loved uh you know even if it was a little a little less uh you know commercial or a little not as well known um and so but we had so much fun with that. And we did a lot more of my original stuff at that point too, because I was writing more songs and we would always work them into our sets. And so. Uh, have you recorded a lot of your own stuff? I mean, I know you have the apothecary EP that uh, came mm -hmm. out in 2018. Um, were there, were the, were those songs that you wrote more recently or were those the kind of songs that you started writing at 10, 11 years old? You know, when did the songs from apothecary come into, uh, come into being? Um, you know, two of, a couple of those songs definitely came out of high school and I had just held on to them and, and went away to school. Um, and, and a lot of the rest of that record I wrote my freshman year of college. So it right. felt like a big span of time, you know, it, it's kind of a collection of songs from very different moments in my life. Cause Hello? I think my cheek hit the mute button there. That was my Oh, part. okay. All right, we're back. <laughs> yeah, we, um, cheek hitting the mute button. Button. That's uh, <laughs> sounds like you, you're probably smiling on the other end. That's why I can, I yeah, can hear yeah, it coming can, through. <laughs> exactly. I can feel like my the top of where my smile is just knock that <laughs> mute button. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, um, so after high school, you went to Middle Tennessee State University in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, right? <laughs> Yes, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And mm -hmm. you went for songwriting and record producing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's not officially yeah. what the what the degree was called, but uh, um, they have a. They, it sounds like they have a program there for exactly what you wanted to do. And yeah, in the state, you know, the, the whole Nashville area, uh, where you know music is king. It's exciting. No, absolutely. It was um, a wonderful decision to go to school there and the program is amazing they have a um a recording industry program in the school of media and entertainment and so in that you know there are three different concentrations that you can pick from and that's uh audio production commercial songwriting or music business and so i was a songwriting major uh, but in each of those concentrations you get this basis you know, education in just the music industry and the recording industry and, 
a lot of really important stuff that I had no idea I even needed to learn you know, <laughs> just about all the different things that you could think of just within the entertainment industry even. Um, so it was, you know, one of the best decisions ever. And so it, you I literally really took school. classes called like songwriting 101 and uh, recording 101, things like uh -huh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, advanced songwriting. Yeah. You go from, <laughs> you know, intro to songwriting. There were different tiers. Um, no, I, it, absolutely. It was so much fun. Were the professors, <laughs> professional uh, musicians and things like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, almost all the professors are either currently working in the industry or have a long career, you know, where they worked either in Nashville or LA or somewhere in the music industry and then, you know, retired from that to be a teacher. There's it's a mixed bag, but everybody sure. is like a professional connection. Yeah. And so was your major commercial songwriting? That's the technical, um, the technical, the name of my major. Yeah. And, and commercial is that, songwriting. Is that like focusing on jingles and things like that, that where people would be writing songs for um, commercials or for commercial activities? You know, what does that even, what, what does that mean? No, you know, that misleads a lot of people. I get that question so much. Um, but it in for this program, it was just what they called, you know, the songwriting major. And it's a focus on, you know, not writing music for, for jingles uh -huh, yeah, yeah. and commercials like you would think, but writing, you know, commercially viable, commercially popular oh, okay. music. And they d kind of define like something you learn really early on is, you know, the definition of commercial in terms of music is doesn't mean, you know, it's like pop music or whatever you might think, um, but it's just what is being, you know, super widely consumed uh -huh. by the masses. You know, what is being consumed by the most people and that would be a commercially like viable product. And okay. so that's that's kind of the approach and that's why it's called commercial songwriting you know what is right popular how to how to write a no. song in whatever genre that will that someone's going to want to buy yeah yeah how, how, yeah exactly okay it's a great way to put it so you uh you sort of i mean i think most musicians out there haven't had a formal education in songwriting or singing or or anything like that. I mean, you know, look at some of the, like the, the who, the, the Rolling Stones. I mean, those guys didn't go to college to learn how to write music. Um, but you in fact get the benefit of, of the analysis that went into what a Rolling Stone song, how, you know, why is it uh, commercially viable? Uh, you know, what is it about it? And then, and so they incorporated that into their program and, and gave you ideas of how to make the music you wanted to make. Uh, viable commercially yeah exactly um well that's definitely. that's One quite a opportunity i will say you know yeah instead of yeah. having to like figure it out you uh, were able to take classes where <laughs> it was someone had thought it out and and passed along that knowledge that's terrific. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, songwriting is one of those things, you know, just like any art form um, and craft, you know, it's so subjective and, and there's no one way to do it. And it's it can be a, an interesting thing to teach for that reason. Um, and also, you know, you don't need to go to school. You don't need to take classes to, to learn how to write a good song or to be a good songwriter. So um, what one of my favorite professors, uh, his name is Odie Blackman, and, you know, he's a he's a hit songwriter in his own right, you know, awesome, awesome professor, but he would always say, you know, I'm not going to teach you how to write a hit song or like teach you how to be the best, greatest songwriter. We just, we give you the tools to be able to do that. Like this is what, you know, this is as much as we can give you to set you up to figure that out because it is a craft that you have to yeah. own and, oh, for sure. and, you know, can be done in so many different ways. And so no one teacher can, can say, you know, this is the best way to write a song or this is the one way to do it. It's just not the case. And so, you know, the whole point of those classes and, and I think that specific concentration of the program is to just give you the tools to be able to be the best songwriter that, you know, you can be. And so it was, and I learned, like I said, I, I didn't realize how much there was to learn about it all, just the music industry in general. But because um, I took a lot of business classes, too. And so it was a really, a really beneficial thing, I would say. Well, so you've gotten involved with this as it seems like the industry has 
wholeheartedly, you know, wholesale changes being made to the industry. You know, the influence of of uh, uh, platforms like Pandora or Spotify have have almost like uh, devalued the individual recorded song and made it more about you know you, you create you, you uh, record music and and issue albums in order to get people to the shows and that the shows are really what it's all about the live performances mm-hmm. have you found that to be the case um yeah i mean it's obviously it's definitely changing it's changed a lot in the last 10 years and everybody's saying that it's you know going to keep changing but i don't think that it's a bad thing necessarily i think that it's it's just definitely impacted um it has definitely impacted the independent artists to where now we have this new opportunity to you know with the accessibility to be able to release music now and with streaming you know anybody can really put their music out there so you have this like wild inundation of music just everywhere yeah. and it's so accessible you're when you talk about you know devaluing you know a record that's definitely like an issue that i don't mean um, devalue you know, in the terms of like it cheapens it i just mean that it's you know in the olden days you had a vinyl record and and if you wanted to listen to a song on that record you had to buy the whole album the mm-hmm. you know and and that all went to well the record company and the musician and you know, and now it's it it it, uh, it makes it so accessible, but at the same time, it uh, because it's so accessible, it it takes away uh, financial value from the people that that issue it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that is definitely a big thing. And so for you know independent artists who maybe don't like myself. You know, I don't I obviously don't have a record deal or, you know, any backing money. It is it is much more difficult to get your music heard because there's so much out there and, you know, anybody can really get music on these platforms. Um, you know, it's, how, it's it's all about like, how are you going to bring attention to that and make it make it worth someone to go stream your song? Because they're not you know, you're, you're exactly right, right when you talk about um people going out and buying your cds or buying your vinyl records so it's a really interesting thing and i definitely agree that um you know there the money is made in live shows and and touring at least for independent artists who don't have um like big financial backing from a from a record label um so yeah that's what my focus has turned to and and Mm -hmm. that's what my focus always was in the beginning um just because i love to perform and i love to travel um but yeah, I think touring is where it's at for a lot of artists right now, like across the whole, yeah. the entire industry, you know? So I, I've, that raises a couple questions for me. You know, how do you go about getting your records heard? Uh, if you, you know, don't really have the support of the record companies and, and their interactions with the radio stations and things like that, you know, what are some of the newer ways to, to get it out there? You know, there are a lot of, I think social media has just yeah. kind of taken over <laughs> a, a lot of things. But in terms of being um, being a musician, it has kind of enabled, social media has enabled people to be really entrepreneurial and, um, you know, use that as a platform right. to, to reach people to reach people when you don't have money to push, you know, your album into stores across the nation and, you know, have it promoted here or there. I mean, social media can, can really kind of achieve a lot in terms of, um, you know, building an audience. My, my personal approach has always been, and I think will continue to be just a very, you know, grassroots kind of, I like to build relationships at shows and I, I try to perform, you know, as much as I can and and kind of promote myself through through the shows, like let the music, you know, yeah. in a performance kind of speak for itself. And if those people connect to it, then then we're going to build a relationship and hopefully you can gain fans that way. But I think that's a great way to build a fan base 
because, you know, the impact that a, a live show has on an audience member, you know, I think can be a lot stronger sometimes than maybe when you just come across music that was advertised to you on Facebook or Instagram, just because you get that live show experience. And so, you know, those that audience and the, the fans that maybe you make or the friends that you make and the people that you meet at your live shows can can be a really sustainable uh group of people to share your music with as you move forward because they had that live show experience with you so they'll you know they're more likely to remember you and i don't know i guess i've always focused my um you know my approach is kind of focused on just really um cultivating relationships through through live shows because that's yeah. you know the people who get to see my show remember that and then they want to go listen to my music and so you know without having a lot of money really any money to put into like big time promotion, you know, until I can do that, um, you know, very kind of just grassroots audience building has been a great way for me to spread the word about my music and, you know, gain fans. And that's, that's kind of been what I've been trying to do for the last, you know, how many, I guess, five or six years. And, and it's, it's a slow build, <laughs> but um, it's a, it's like a sustainable build, you know? That's a, another change to the industry. You know, for the longest time, as a as purely a um, an audience member, not a musician myself, uh, I've always saw that there's a sort of uh, this curtain. You know, uh, where the the musician is on stage and you're out in the audience and you're enjoying it. But now, th with what you mentioned and in, in forming relationships or or interacting a little bit more with the audience to create just that that vibe. It, it breaks down that, that curtain. And so mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more interaction, uh, probably after shows, maybe a little bit before shows, but it, it's sort of this unnatural or uh, change in, in that dynamic where instead of just being out in the audience and seeing a musician on stage, there's now this opportunity. And, and from the musician's side, uh, this this advantage of creating these relationships and breaking down that curtain. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how that all develops. It's almost like music in the round where, where the audience is a much bigger part of the performance than they ever were when it was just, you know, the audience sitting there listening. Yeah. And the artist was this kind of untouchable yeah. thing. No, absolutely. Um, and, and you also kind of mentioned the, the financial aspects of getting your music out there and heard and all that. And, and I, th I've seen a lot of creativity when it comes to that in terms of the musician, maybe doing like a, and I'm getting the terms wrong, crowdsourcing or some kind of like pre-financial backing of an album, um, you know, mm -hmm. getting sort of their, their group together or their, um, their fans together to sort of put money together ahead of the album being recorded so that the musician then has money to record the album. And so, uh, yeah. and then, uh, that, that sounds like a, a great approach too. It has the effect yeah. of eliminating that record executive middleman. No, I agree. I think that, you know, crowdfunding is a really great way to kind of, you know, bypass that barrier to entry to make like a really good product and to get people excited about it. I've never done it. I, I haven't, um, like crowdsourced my own project, but I have supported so many for like my favorite artists and people that I love. And, um, I, I think it's a great thing. So I, it'll probably be something that I do somewhere down the line, maybe when I put, when I put a record out of this or that, but, uh, that is an awesome thing that I think independent artists are really taking advantage of for sure. Well, you're in a terrific position too, having gone to a college, um, you know, suited for this kind of thing and, and studying the financial aspects of it to, you know, help others out and, and figure out creative ways to raise money for that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, that's, <laughs> that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> so uh, you're you're doing this show at the Acorn on March 27th with the Way Down Wanderers, who, by the way, they are fantastic. I've seen them a couple times in different spots, and actually, they played at the Acorn. I want to say last last spring or so, and they were they were a blast. But I've I've seen them at summer camp, and well, I guess I've seen them at summer camp a couple different times. But you know, they're just you know just a, a terrific 
bunch of guys and putting together some really, uh, you know, like they're almost like old souls in the fact that they're taking this kind of old timey music in a sense and, Mm -hmm. and creating, you know, new avenues to it, which is really what you're doing too. You know, this is a, this is the kind of music that, that our parents listened to. And, um, and now it's like getting, getting kind of this resurgence with, with you and, um, and May and Lindsay and, and Rachel Davis and, and Way Down Wanders. There's, you know, more of this bluegrass kind of being incorporated into the jam scene and rock scene and the country scene. So yeah, just terrific. So anyway, how do you, uh, how did you connect with the Way Down Wanders for this show? Or, oh, or yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I love the Way Down Wanders. I am just one of their biggest fans, but also those guys are so great. And I met them, um, you know, I think when I was maybe newly 16. I met them back when I was in high school, and they played a show in my hometown at this cool bar called The Mitten. And I remember um, some people that I knew in town were like, there's this band coming through Chloe you would love them you really need to check it out and I was actually in Nashville with my dad and my sister we had taken a trip down and we were driving we were driving home from Nashville to Michigan and I remember my mom called me and she's like I know that you guys are going to be really tired when you get home but you need to go to the show tonight at this place there's this band and everyone's talking about them and I've had you know everyone saying oh Chloe would love these guys you know, because I was playing out in town around the same time. And so I remember going down to the Mitten and they just blew me away. They were so good. And we ended up having like a sidewalk jam session outside the bar that night after the show. (laughs) Because we got to talking, you know, and um, someone else told them, oh, like Chloe plays music too. And so they they asked me about it. And I was like, oh no, like, I just want to enjoy your music tonight. And, and, you know, they said, well, if we, we might take some instruments out, you know, on the sidewalk later. So, you know, we just had the best time. It was so fun. And I remember just thinking these guys are the coolest and they're such great people. And so we ended up, uh, reconnecting, you know, uh, maybe the next year or so. And we played a festival together up in Alpena, Michigan called the Thunder Bay Folk Festival. And they were headlining, and I went with uh, Kyle from Awesome Distraction, and we played it as a duo because I think Nick was at Berkeley at that time. And so uh, we we played that festival together and, and got to hang out again, you know. And I I think I just went to see them anytime they came through Michigan because and and you know played in the area just because I love their music so much and I've got like all their records and I <laughs> I just really love it. And you know, on top of you know just think you know they're just great people and they're good people to be friends with and so you know I haven't I haven't seen them in a while because I've been down in Nashville for the last you know four years and I haven't been able to catch them anytime they've been in town which is so unfortunate but they're uh they reached out to me um you know a few a couple months ago when I was kind of planning my spring tour and they just said we're playing in Michigan and um, it was actually their manager who mm-hmm. asked the guys, you know, who do you want to support you at this show at the Acorn? And they were like, oh, Chloe's from Michigan. You should you should look her up. And oh, so it was great. so great to hear from them. Um, and, of course, it's like, oh, hands down, I would love to come play that show with you guys. You know, they're just so much fun. And I love their music. And I think that, um, you know, hopefully people who like The Wait on Wonders will enjoy the stuff that I have to offer. I think that. Oh, I uh, definitely think there's a lot of you know, we have strong same, crossover for sure. Yeah, similar audience. Um, so are, I think it's great for that reason too. Are Are you opening for them or playing along with them? Because they they have you booked as special guest with special guest <laughs> Chloe Kynes. <laughs> I'm opening up for them. Yeah, okay. I think I'm I'm playing my own sets yeah. before theirs. So um, maybe you'll we'll get to see you pop on stage with them too. But oh, wouldn't that be we'll a treat? That Maybe goes. I'll have to <laughs> try to make shoot that my text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that so, is no, great. I'm over the moon about it. Very excited. Uh, I just wanted to touch on one thing. So you um, recorded the EP Apothecary in 2018. Do you have any uh, other things coming up? Have you been doing any other recording? 
You know, I do. I have actually my first release since that record coming out a week from yesterday oh, on wow. the 21st. Yeah, That's so exciting. the 21st I'm, I'm releasing a single and I am so excited because it's it sounds a little bit different than Apothecary. You know, at the time uh, that I made that record, I didn't have a band that I really played with. I had lots of friends who were super talented and we'd kind of jam around and, and a lot of really great people played on that record. But since then, you know, I have kind of built a band that I perform with and, you know, we all collaboratively kind of build the arrangements of my songs. And so I'm really excited because this is it sounds a little different i think for that reason you know it's more oh, yeah. full band sound it's it's a little more powerful just musically i think it's um i it's just a little different it's kind of fresh and it's i think the direction that i'm going just because it sounds more like what my live show sounds like right now when i'm when i'm with my band but um yeah it's called thunder and it's coming out on february 21st so uh, that's exciting is uh and yeah. you record that in Nashville? I did. I recorded it at MTSU. Um, they have a studios really there and studios stuff. There, oh, yeah. Nice. And I was working with a producer who, she's she's so wonderful. Her name's Erica, and uh, she's a grad student at MTSU. And we've worked together before. Um, she did some engineering on Apothecary, and she, um, you know, brought in actually Philip Smith is another guy who was in the session, and he was engineering with us that day and philip ended up mixing it and he works for rca studio a now they were both grad students and they're both just friends of mine from school and so we we kind of made the record like we recorded it at mtsu and then philip mixed it and they're both just super talented producers and engineers and um you know i'm really happy that i got to work with them again because they both worked with me on apothecary and so it was super fun to make. And we live tracked it with my band, which was, you know, not how I made Apothecary. So we all kind of played live in a room together, which was really fun and made it a little more challenging, a little more exciting um, just in terms of the recording process. But yeah, it was really fun to make. I'm very excited about it. And it looks like you've got a bunch of tour dates that really just got added since within the last couple of days because I don't remember seeing some of this stuff. You're going to, um, after you leave uh, Three Oaks, you're going to Louisiana and then Fort Worth, Texas and then Santa Fe, New Mexico and Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Excellent. It's, New Orleans. That's going to be fun. It's kind of funny. I've been are built, you, I've actually been Are you doing this with tour. a bigger band or is it going to be primarily you playing? Um, I'm, I'm doing this whole run with my guitarist. So we're just doing it a duo, you know, two uh -huh. guitars. He plays slide guitar. Oh, cool. um, and I do a lot of duo stuff when I can't bring uh, my band along. And just, you know, this is actually going to be one of the, you know, the biggest tour that I've done in terms of traveling um, for extended periods of time. And so I'm just doing it duo really because I think that, you know, I think that's a really great, I like the way that my stuff sounds this way. It's a little more stripped down than obviously the records, but um, I think it presents the music really well. And it's more in this time of me going on this big tour and like learning and, uh, you know, traveling, I think it'll be a little bit easier with just one person. So we're just doing it as a duo and I'm really excited to see how it goes, but I've actually been booking this tour for a long time. I just announced it this week. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's why you're seeing all those dates. Um, <laughs> And it's kind of funny because it was going to be, you know, this Southwest run because, you know, we're going out to Arizona and I'm playing the Tucson Folk Festival and we're going to be spending about a week in the Tucson Phoenix area. But uh, I wasn't planning on going up to Michigan, you know, during this run. That's why we're going to be in Louisiana two days later. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> but I see. But the date that the date of the acorn show they said you know this is the date will you play and of course i want to play with these guys i love them so much i'm like yeah we'll do it we'll drive up to michigan and then we'll drive to louisiana <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of a lot of car time yeah absolutely but totally worth it i'm so excited chloe it was great talking to you i'm looking forward to seeing the show on a personal basis <laughs> and uh, uh have a great rest of your tour um thanks again Take care. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't wait to see you there. This has been wonderful.
That was my interview with Chloe Climes, opening for The Way Down Wanderers on March 27th at the Acorn Theater. And you've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash on WRHC w, uh, 105.103.5 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ uh, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, Johnny Secret Stash is underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan. Uh, and uh, we're going to close out with uh, this song from Chloe Climbs. Good night, everybody. From her Apothecary EP, that was Time, Chloe Kimes.